Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, we got a good podcast here for you today. Uh, we brought back uh, Jim McDermott in. Uh, he's our uh, technical agronomist from Northwest Iowa. Uh, Jim and I touched on a number of different things here that we've seen in the in the last week or so, and a, and a, a lot hinges around uh, all these GDUs that we're uh, rapidly accumulating. And so we're going to talk a lot about some of the crop responses from herbicide applications that are going to be applied this week to insect updates. Um, and then a little bit about rapid growth and what that, what that means for our crops. Uh, and then we touched on a lot of uh, some of the new, new products on uh, some of the Asgro Decal brand products. Uh, but we uh, we recorded with Jim uh, the late afternoon on on June third, and and in typical twenty twenty fashion here, uh, a lot has changed uh, as we were getting ready to um, basically publish uh, the the podcast, and so uh, I think it'd be amiss if we didn't uh, at least recognize the. Um, the court ruling uh, from the Ninth Circuit Court on the low volatility dicamba products that was issued uh, late on June 3rd and as we um, launched the podcast here on June 4th. So with that being said, I just wanted to read you the official Bayer statement on that court ruling. So uh, here it is. So on June 3rd, 2020, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit issued a ruling that vacates current U.S. registrations of certain low-volatility dicamba products, including Extendamax. The ruling comes after a group of environmental organizations filed a petition with the court challenging the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's 2018 registration decision. While we strongly disagree with the ruling and are assessing our next steps, we will also await direction from the EPA on actions it may take in response to the ruling. We will follow up in the coming days with more details about the ruling and our next steps. We've, re- we've created a website, roundupreadyextend.com, that will keep updated with the latest information. Depending upon actions by the EPA and whether the ruling is successfully challenged, we will work quickly to main- minimize any impact on our customers this season. Our top priority is making sure our customers have the support they need to have a successful season. The ruling pertains specifically to the EPA's 2018 registration decision, which expires in December 2020. We're currently working to obtain a new EPA registration for Extendamax for the 2021 season and beyond. We hope to obtain that new registration by this fall. Know that Bayer stands fully behind Extendamax. We are proud of our role in bringing innovations like Extendamax forward to help growers safely, successfully, and sustainably protect their crops from weeds. We will continue to work with the EPA, growers, academics, and others to maintain long-term access to this important tool. End of statement. So, uh, so like the statement says, we're just going to have to stay tuned here. We're going to work quickly here with the EPA on on actions that that need to be taken, but certainly uh, a fluid situation here on on and certainly understand the timing of this for a lot of our Iowa. Um, customers, uh, what's going on with the timing of, of where the crop is at and our post-application sprays. So we are working as quickly as possible to get that decision from EPA. So 
so stay tuned, and, and we will have uh, more updates hopefully very, very soon. And certainly appreciate everything that you've done this season to get the crop in the ground. So, again, thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Hey, this is uh, the early June edition of the update. And today uh, we brought back Jim McDermott from Northwest Iowa. Hey, Jim, how are we doing today? Uh, doing great, Brent. How about yourself? Hey, it's uh, a little warm and windy down here. How about, how about up your way? Yeah, we've had the heat, but uh, we'll take it because uh, it's been, been a cool May, so I know we complain about getting too hot, but uh, I don't want to complain too much because it's been good for some crop growth. So yeah. glad to have the heat. Yeah, we're we're finally starting to see some growth. So it's it's amazing. When we last uh, had the the podcast, we were talking about uh, frosted and frozen soybeans, <laughs> and that was only a matter of about three weeks ago. And now we are talking of. Uh, you know, we're talking this week probably stress, you know, stress days on on some of these crops on what uh, uh, what we're looking at. But really, that's kind of what this uh, year has brought to us. Right. So we were early out of the gate, you know, good April start, you know, ahead in GDUs in April. We were off to the start and 50 units ahead. And and then we hit that early May, and we got to 50 behind. And now this week, I'd say we're going to be caught up pretty fast. So, <laughs> yep, uh, like usual, the uh, the normal is the average of the extreme. Yes, I think we're gonna we're gonna see that again this spring. Yes, I, I just I don't know. We just keep getting you know the. Different order, so maybe this weather will come in the right order some year. So. It would be it would be nice to actually get May weather in May instead of April and June weather in, in June. So, but anyway, Jim, hey, we uh, with this heat this week, we're starting to see some growth in these crops. What uh, I'm seeing a little unevenness in some of these corn fields. What do, what do we got going on there? Yeah, you know, good planting conditions. Uh, of course, is probably some of the best we've had in several years, at least in uh, northern Iowa. And, you know, you kind of expect everything to be perfect when you have good planting conditions. But uh, we did have a cool down. And I think one thing, when, when we have loose, fluffy, dry soils, you know, it's what we want at planting. But it also does allow that uh, cold air to penetrate a little bit more. And I think we did see that. Uh, we saw the cold air penetrate down to the seedling. And, and it did uh, affect some of the evenness and even some of the germination. Overall, Brent, we've got some very good stands. Uh, but, you know, as, as we go through that cool spell, uh, we do see it affect the, the growth. And then of course, as we're transitioning from living off the seed uh, and also the lateral seminal roots to the nodal roots, uh, right at about uh, oh, V2 to V4, you know, that's when we can get some unevenness as well. So uh, we are seeing some of that up and down unevenness. Um, some areas of course have uh, suffered from uh, anhydrous burn. Uh, it, as it stayed dry. So that's contributed yep. uh, just uh, several factors like that uh, have contributed to unevenness. Uh, but usually you don't see the unevenness until you get the good growing conditions like we've had this week. And uh, now that we're getting some good areas to take off, uh, that, that really makes the unevenness show up. Yeah, really, really starting to, to pick out some of those spots and fields and some of the corn on corn residue type stuff is really starting to show through now this week, it looks like. So 
Yep, absolutely. And no residue, of course, keeping that uh, ground cooler has, has been a contributing factor. Yep. Um, you know, and we've we've really uh, had had the conditions that uh, well, May, like you mentioned, being so cool. Um, you know, that cool May uh, probably dictated more of our unevenness than than anything that we had in April. Uh, in fact, I had seen a, on a weather report um, as far as cloud cover. Uh, for some areas may set a record as far as the percent of overcast skies. So, wow. you know, that alone contributed a lot to the unevenness. Did we break last year's record? Is that what we did? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Hard to believe, but uh, we did. Yeah. See, it, I thought maybe last year was hard to beat, but hey, hold my beer and watch this. I guess we're in 2020 mode. So, uh, you know, so Jim, what's um. What do what do the calls look like on on any insect damage? I've seen a few a few things. I know last week was supposed to be some of the peak times for uh, cutworms to be uh, doing some some feeding, and uh, I've seen a, a few few folks out and about showing some pictures of some grubs out uh, doing some damage. What what are you getting calls on right now? Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, again, with the seed taking a longer time to emerge, uh, that allows that window the insects just to be a little bit wider. Uh, so some white grub, wireworm, some of those below ground feeders uh, been able to do a little bit of damage. Uh, in my area, I haven't seen any wide scale major problems. Um, like you mentioned, the black cutworm, that's really the thing to be watching for over the next week to, uh, to two weeks. Um, we've got uh, some significant moth catches uh, that Iowa State reported in Northwest Iowa uh, and other areas of the state. So uh, be looking for black cutworm feeding uh, coming up now. Um, as the plants get bigger, as we get to V4, V5, then they have a harder time cutting them and causing damage. Yeah. So uh, right now with smaller plants or later planted fields, especially if there was a cover crop or uh, winter annuals were allowed to green up, those are the fields to uh, focus in on yeah. for scouting. Yeah, I was just gonna mention, ask that, what, what are those fields to to focus in on? So the good, uh, I, I I know Jim. When we were talking with Nicole three weeks ago on the podcast, we were kind of concerned about some of the herbicides activating. Uh, they kind of sat on that soil for a long period of time in late April before they got rain activated. You know how how did we come through that stretch? Now that we had some rain and then we got the cool, and now we're back to you know now the weeds are probably starting to grow just as fast as the corn. What what are we seeing there on the herbicides? Yeah, you know, just what the doctor ordered as far as dry weather for planting, but that also contributes to a lack of herbicide activation. Uh, most herbicides, especially some of the acetochlor family for uh, corn and soybeans. Or needs that good half inch of a soaking rain to get uh, activation. And a lot of areas we didn't quite get that. So there has been some escapes. Um, now, of course, we're, we're really into the post-emerge spraying and, and uh, so far so good. So hopefully we're getting some good timely applications because that's the key. Uh, once we have those escapes, we've got to get out there and uh, really get to those weeds before they're getting four inches in height, Brent. Yeah. You mentioned the post-application and I, and I, and I can about imagine as fast as this crop's going to grow here this week and next week that we're, we're, I know our, our dealers and, and our custom applicators are, are, you know, waiting for the wind to die down at any point. 
what what are some of the things we need to watch out for as we do all these post applications this week? I mean, I, I mean, you got heat, um, you know, a lot of factors here now that, I mean, you've got some actively growing weeds, but there's also some other factors that come into play when you get this high wind and heat. Yeah, and, you know, the heat in particular, uh, we don't know what's coming up, but uh, there are certain products, and you'd really want to refer to your specific labels, but uh, certain products, um, you can cut the, uh, say, crop oil or, or methylated seed oil, the MSOs, in half uh, if you're really getting concerned about those real hot days for spraying. Uh, but even regardless of that, I, I would expect uh, these herbicides to be very active, uh, which is good. It's what we want. Uh, but we, we do have to remember we're coming out of a period uh, where we've had cool weather, and cool weather generally means uh, pretty thin cuticles. Uh, so that can help our control. Uh, but thin cuticles on the corn plant uh, does mean we're probably going to see a little bit more herbicide response. And I have seen some of that already, Brent. Uh, you know, some of these herbicides have been very active, uh, not only on the weeds, but on the crop response. So uh, sometimes uh, you know, one of those deals where you think, oh, maybe go fishing for a few days yep. to uh, not see the, the burn or some of the uh, effects, some of the HPPD products are gonna show some whitening. And I would expect that to show up uh, a little bit more this year than what we've seen in past years. Again, just between thin cuticles from last week's cool conditions to now hot conditions are, are gonna cause that crop response to, to really be increased. Yeah, uh, on the flip side of that, Jim, are there, are there any weeds that we need to watch out for on any specific stages that may in this heat get hardened off and maybe not take in that herbicide very well? Well, sure. And, uh, you know, uh, the water hemp, of course, is always a, the, the key one we're after. And a big thing to watch there is the rapid growth. Yep. Um, you know, rapid growth is, is good as far as herbicide. It, it uh, is going to uptake it. Um, bigger water hemp is going to have more growing points. So between that and if we stay hot and dry for several days and we're start, starting to see that hardened off. So, you know, that gets, uh, gets tough to kill. Um, so far right now, at least in, in our area, Northwest Iowa, we've got pretty good soil moisture. So we still have good active growth. Yeah. Uh, but if we do happen to stay hot and dry, that's going to be a factor. Uh, velvet leaf is another one that comes to mind, Brent. Uh, that one tends to be yeah. uh, very hardened off if we have an uh, extensive dry spell. Um, you know, then it's a matter of, well, how do you adjust? You try to, uh, you know, do the opposite, maybe up some of your surfactant levels or heat, heat that surfactant up to uh, methylated seed oil versus just a normal non-ionic. You know, those type of things you can do uh, if you are getting a hardened off weed. But uh, again, refer to these specific labels uh, on the details by product. Sure. Let's, let's uh, turn the tables here and, and talk uh, soybean post applications. So uh, again, you know, soybeans went in and, and record pace here again. What, what do we need to watch out for here as we think about our post applications on soybeans here in the next, well, geez, probably this week, next week, and the week after? Right. Yep. Yep. Hopefully we'll have a nice window. And so far it, it looks like we are. Uh, you know, soybeans, uh, like you mentioned, did go in some of the earliest uh, plantings that I've seen, uh, which is a good thing, I think, as far as yield response. You tend to see good yield response from early planted soybeans. Um, a lot of them did sit there for a while, um, which also equates to some herbicide injury. 
know, certain products, especially some of the PPO products were a little bit hard on soybeans this year yeah. because of that slow emergence time. Uh, but now, now that they're up and growing, um, you know, if we do get into some rapid growth, uh, especially with early planted soybeans, you know, we could have some, some early flowering. Uh, typically that summer solstice or around June 21st is what's gonna trigger your flowers. But early planted, even with a little more heat, uh, can induce those, that flowering to happen before June 21st. So I guess you know, pay attention to what that growth stage is because there are some products, uh, particularly you know, using some of the dicamba-based products on the Extend soybeans, um, you do want to have them on before that R1 or be before the flowering. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, really another good reason to just uh, be knowing where you're at on your growth stage and, and be timely with those applications. Yeah, and, and, and probably just be aware of your label requirements based on your, your program too, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, again, with some of the early planting windows, um, you know, we do have products that have uh, the 45-day um, restriction after planting. So if we're, we're early planted soybeans, uh, we just need to be aware of that. And, yep. Uh, try to be as timely as we can yep. with that post-application. Yeah. No, but but good call out there on the on the R1 staging that that will certainly creep up on us here. I mean, these plants got to be almost feeling like it's July almost if the sun would stay out in that heat, they, they got to be thinking it's a different month than what it is. So, um, so we covered our insects. We, we covered the herbicide, uh, applications. Um, you know, and is, are we to a point, I mean, is this corn, I was thinking about, you've mentioned rapid growth a couple times and, and we often see some rapid growth syndrome in, in corn around, this time of year, you know, if this heat were continue, is that something that we're going to be vulnerable for uh, in the next next week or so? Yeah, and that's a good point. And, and a couple things on that, Brent. Uh, you know, if you're using uh, a growth regulator product in corn, um, especially if it's not safened, um, you know that that does present a risk as we have rapid growing corn, and especially if we're starting to push up to that V5 size. Yeah. Uh, so be aware of that. You know, a lot of products that we're using, uh, say Diflex, Diflex Duo, you know, they've got uh, safened dicamba, so uh, not a high risk there. But be aware of the rapid growth uh, just because of the growth regulator products. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, um, I, I would fully expect to see coming up here in maybe 10 days, two weeks time, um, that we'll have some of those plants that will be twisted, kind of wrapped. Mm -hmm even without any sort of herbicide interaction, yep. uh, just simply accelerated growth syndrome, yep. uh, rapid growth phase, whatever you want to call it. You can just see that wrapping as that corn plant starts to take off. Uh, usually it's not any long-term effect, uh, but you will see that wrap. And then after it opens up, of course, you'll see some white leaves uh, just because of lack of chlorophyll. Yeah. So I would certainly expect that to, to be showing here a couple weeks down the road. Yeah, th those are. I guess I would take it as a good sign because it means we are growing fast. Yeah, right? we're finally growing, and I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. But you're using some technical terms up there in northern Iowa. We call it buggy whipping down here in southern Iowa. So. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. Yeah, you know, it can, can go by a lot of different names. Yeah, but but yeah, typically what you know we'll see those those white, yellow leaf, flag leaf, kind of almost not a flag leaf, but that that new leaf that's not the right color, right? Was it comes out or that tight that tight whip like approach to some of that, and and typically that's just a response, and it, it usually comes right out of it with no 
no lasting effects. So certainly. Right. Yeah. You really don't see any yield effect. Um, I, I will say with the qualifier of, uh, you know, some of the a ALS herbicides, uh, we don't use a lot of those post-emerge on corn anymore, but some of those products, if they're applied in some stress conditions or maybe a little bit later or a little bit bigger corn, you can see that uh, I'll use buggy whipping. You'll see that buggy whipping and uh, it can have some yield effects, but sure. uh, pretty, pretty rare to see that. Most of what we see is just more of the environmental response to rapid growth. Yeah. Jim, let's let's wrap up here on some of any any product highlights uh, that you've seen. I, I mean, I know things came flying out of the ground. I didn't know if you saw any good differences in emergence or vigor. And I also wanted you to probably just touch on just the effort that that our uh, our team has put into the new um, Roundup Ready Extend Flex uh, soybean. Uh, plots and, and helping get that launched off for, for next year. We got a number of those locations. So touch on a couple of those things here before we wrap up, if you would. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. On the corn side, um, you know, overall we've seen real good emergence. Um, you know, some of the, the usual products that we can expect to fly out of the ground uh, did again this year uh, for our area, BKC 4972, BKC 5438 and uh, their double pro counterparts. Um, overall, our, our lineup is pretty solid on emergence. Um, I was glad to see some new products. Um, 4944 is a fairly new product. Uh, it actually has looked, looked good on emergence. Um, 5198 uh, is a product that's only in plots. It's brand new. Uh, that one's been uh, very good on emergence. As we get towards the fuller season side, uh, 5834 and 6140 have been a couple standouts in my mind. Uh, they've looked very good out of the ground. Um, overall, it, it, we've had good emergence. So, you know, we've seen some slight differences right at emergence time. Uh, generally though, everything, once it's got out of the ground has, has caught up. So yeah. you know, it hasn't been as, as dramatic a hybrid differences as, as maybe what we've seen in, in some of the real stressful years. Yeah. I'd, I'd say this is, is probably one of those. Yeah. Definitely a year where it's, it's hard to see some of those, you, you know, genetic differences in, in emergence and vigor because it, it's such good conditions in April really played into that. I think. Yeah, you bet. But uh, we, overall, the stand establishment has been uh, been very good. good. Uh, so and been pleased to see that. Good. Well, then let's let's talk more about some of these extend flex plots. So you guys, uh, you you and your your colleagues have put in a, a valiant effort here on on getting uh, a, a fair number of these extend flex plots put in the ground, and those are. Uh, just tell us, you know, just how many new genetics you guys are, are looking at and, and what that, what that'll help us, uh, moving forward throughout the year. Yeah, it's been, uh, been a great spring for that in this area. Um, on Northwest Iowa, we've got, uh, over a dozen extend flex plots out there. So we're going to get a good look at uh, some of these new genetic families. And, you know, it's a big effort because we're moving to extend flex, uh, which gives us the tolerance to, uh, glufosinate as well as glyphosate uh, and dicamba. So give us a three-way herbicide tolerance. Uh, so we're moving to the, uh, the ExtendFlex genetics in a, in a big way for 2021. Um, you know, we're going to have boy, in our area you know, a good 10 different products to choose from. Um, and several of them will be in very good volume, uh, particularly at 20 XF1, um, 
25 XF1, uh, 27 XF1. Those are some products that are that are going to be in high volume. There's several others out there as well, but uh, been happy to to really have the planting season go well, so we can get a look at these. We we've, we've put some of them in some fields that we know have history of diseases, particularly white mold uh, and SDS. So should get a good chance to screen them, take a look at them, and of course evaluate on yield. Well, you know, and I, and I know this this uh, approval and, and trait launch, you know, isn't uh, the time that we were were hoping for, right? I mean, all it seems like these these approvals kind of get moved back. But one advantage to that getting moved back, though, is that we get a look at this before we can launch it, right? So we'll have a better look, better recommendation, and and better understanding of these products than. Uh, as we hit the field with recommendations uh, this fall, then correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, breeders have done a good job in, in moving these quickly through the pipeline. But uh, the more chances you get a uh, breed through one more year, one more class, uh, the better yep. they become. Yep. And uh, yeah, we we uh, sure expect approval uh, sometime this summer. We don't know any exact dates, but uh, we're just waiting on that last leg of the uh, European approval yep. uh, before we get uh, complete clearance here in the U.S. Yeah, but uh, a, a good a good look there, and and like you said, twelve twelve plots in, in Northwest Iowa, and I, and I know we've got uh, at least that many in each quadrant around the state. So a, a good a good look at a lot of new genetics coming up for for next year. So be anxious to hear how those look as we continue to go through go through the season here and, and get updates as we go. So. You bet. Oh, it's exciting to see. And uh, we also have, of course, a lot of breeding plots as well as seed production fields. So, uh, you know, a couple other avenues that we'll get a chance to, to look sure. at these and evaluate these varieties, Brent. Yeah, good. Good. Good to hear. Jim, any any last thoughts here before we uh, let the uh, let the audience go? Well, I guess the last thought would just be thanking our customers. Uh, it's been a, been a great planting season and we appreciate the uh, the business from the DeKalb and Asgro side. So uh, thank you to all of our farmers and our dealers out there for their, their hard work in uh, planting this crop. Yeah, I would, I would echo the, the thanks and, and appreciation on that side and also uh, maybe grant us a little uh, a patience as we kind of work through some of our summer agronomy training plans right so what uh you know what do these look like uh this summer will be uh, amidst all all the chaos and maybe virtual maybe on a tailgate you know we're, we're kind of working that out as we uh, kind of figure some of these uh, stipulations out but certainly give us a little patience to help figure that out so yeah you bet we're uh, still looking at fields just uh doing it in a yep on a on a socially distanced uh type uh event so jim thanks a lot for joining us and uh we'll we'll be anxious to hear how uh some of these products look here later in the season we'll we'll come back uh, around to you good, later Brent. in the yep. growing season uh, thanks for having me on and uh take care you bet thanks jim and thanks again for listening to the iowa agronomy update join in again here in a couple of weeks as we uh travel in and see what uh what the hot topic of the the timing is and we'll uh we'll be sure and get a, a relevant uh participant and guest on and we'll be talking agronomy then thanks